listening to the Right Talk Wednesday podcast, made from the video stream, which happens every Wednesday at 6 p.m. Central on both YouTube and Twitch. If you'd like to watch the actual live stream, you may do so by visiting musecharmer.com and going to the Right Talk Wednesday show page. You can also find archives of the show on YouTube under the live tab. Enjoy. Hello and welcome to Right Talk Wednesday, hosted on the Muse Charmer Network. I am Kit Kalestow of Epona Author Solutions, and we chat for usually about half an hour every Wednesday with various authors talking about their writing. And for the month of November, we are discussing um, books that authors have created through National Novels Writing Month. I am here this week with Zara West, who has a very interesting th- romantic thriller out, or will be out actually tomorrow, that I hope to discuss with her. And so let me just first say welcome to the show. I will give my usual disclaimer that I have a cat in the office who likes to play with the camera. So if anything weird happens, blame it on the cat. And we are streaming live on twitch.tv slash Epona author and youtube.com at Epona author solutions, where you can find all of the replays of this show and past shows. So welcome. Thank you so much for being here. I really appreciate it. Thank you for having me. I'm very happy to talk with you tonight. Wonderful. And you sent your information about your book, Concealed by the Tide, that we will talk about a little bit later. And it is showing up here to the right of me. In fact, I'm going to just do a quick check and make sure that it looks good here. Yep, I see it on Twitch. And... I see it on YouTube. So yeah, it looks great on both venues. Why don't we start by telling our listeners and our viewers just a little bit about yourself? Okay, well, um, I've been writing for a very long time. I was originally a writer of nonfiction. I wrote college textbooks and academic articles and uh, education, educational materials. So I've, I have a long background in writing, but when I retired, I decided I wanted to write fiction. So that was a discovery to me that writing fiction is very different from writing nonfiction, not the same thing at all. And I kind of had to relearn how to write in a totally different way. Um, I mean, when you write nonfiction, it's very much you do this, you do that, this is this is what's next, so this is a fact. When you write fiction, you have to get inside your characters. You have to become your characters. And you also have to come up with a story for them to be in or listen to the story they want to tell you. So I've been writing fiction now since 2012. So I, um, I guess that's what I'll start with. Now you can ask me... What nano has to do with it. <laughs> that is exactly <laughs> where I was going. So um, my my first thought question is, um, how long have you been doing nano? Okay, well, what happened was I, I realized I didn't know anything about writing fiction, even though I thought I was a very, I was a professional writer. I got paid for what I wrote. Um, but I realized I needed to 
study. So I went and took workshops and courses. I re, you know, because I learned as, as a te- I was a teacher. I know that the way to learn something is to get somebody else who knows it to tell you what to do. And I was doing that. I wrote my first novel, and I don't think it was well. It it, it was good in some ways, but not in others. It was very long. It was like hundred and fifty thousand words to start with. So. Um, I started doing writers groups and I heard about this thing called NANO, National Write Writing Month or whatever it's called. And the groups were having sessions. They would hold, you know, sessions within the group. And so I thought, oh, I'll I'll try this, you know, because it was a, a way to meet people. It was lots of fun. So I joined a group with savvy authors. They had a very active group. I had been taking workshops there. And then I also grouped at the same time, I joined a local group that had a really gung-ho group of people who really were very encouraging. So this was my first experience. And as I said, I was I, I, I had something in my background because having written nonfiction, I had learned to write to deadlines. So it didn't scare me to have to write 50,000 words in a month because I had been given things like write a chapter in two days. <laughs> So, so it wasn't as scary as it might be to other people, but at the same time, I didn't really know what I was doing, <laughs> okay, because I didn't, I didn't really know how to write fiction. So I joined those two groups, and that was in 2014. I actually went and looked it up. So my first nano was 2014. That was a long time ago. And I wrote my 50,000 words. I wrote a romantic suspense. I kind of made it up out of well I you know I had done some research I, I had a sort of plot sort of and I started just writing and I wrote it I realized it was far from finished it was 50,000 words that's not a finished novel I hadn't finished gotten to the end so then I worked on it probably so six seven more months to finish it and I went and I pitched it to Wild Rose Press and Wild Rose Press said, yes, we'll take it. And I was like, floored. I was like, really? So I, I, I that, that was my first published novel. And it was called Beneath the Skin. And this is it. Okay, so that's what it looked like. It was uh, set in New York City. And it fe- I, I was trying to feature unusual characters and people that aren't normally in fiction so it's a story about a street kids graffiti kids who go around doing graffiti Williamsburg Brooklyn is famous for its graffiti um, I was born in Williamsburg Brooklyn so I had a little extra motivation and I had a grand time writing it I had an anthropologist because my husband's an anthropologist so I had an anthropologist in it and I had a kidnapping because you know I didn't know that in romantic suspense, somebody had to die. So nobody dies in the book. (laughs) Um, Anyway, so I had a lot of fun. And so the next time Nano came around, I said, I'll do this again, right? (laughs) It worked the first time. So I did. I wrote another one. So I I wrote a series of four. So I wrote one. Let's see. I think I wrote it down here. So 2014 uh, to... 2023 I've done seven nanos so I've done seven and I've written seven books now they're not all published 
uh, four of the four for Wild Rose Press were published. And I just published this one, which was last year's. Nano, or I think it was 2020. I was actually thinking about it. Yeah, I didn't do it for two years. During the COVID years, I didn't do Nano. So this, this is the book I just published. And this was written during Nano as well. But I learned a lot. I wouldn't be writing all those books during Nano if I hadn't learned a lot the first time I did Nano. So I, I don't know if you want to continue talking about Nano. Um, oh, definitely. I was just thinking you you've checked all the boxes that I encourage people to do. You know, start where you know. You wrote in in Williamsburg, Brooklyn. There where you know. Put in things that you know that you sure you can do some research. You've got the anthropologist um, that I'm sure you know very well. And, yes. and uh, you know, you've got the local group and the online group and savvy authors is wonderful. I taught for them probably about 10 years ago. I, um, it's been a while, but um, they are an excellent resource, an excellent group. And I loved when I lived in a bigger city, I loved the local write-ins um, that it's the energy is just amazing if you've never been to one so and it sounds like you had fun at yours so no I was I just did. thinking you checked all the all the good nano boxes yes um no really uh so I actually I'm teaching a savvy authors now I, I oh, learned great. from being taking every one of their courses to now teaching there which is like that's such a good feeling that I, I grew so much as a writer anyway so what I learned about nano was first thing it did is it taught me not to go back because that was my big problem i would keep going back and fixing things i wanted it to be perfect and you can't do that in fiction it, it's okay in nonfiction. you can kind of do that because it's at least i could i could do it in nonfiction, but you can't do that in fiction because you need that flow of the story and the emotion and the characters and if you keep going back you lose the emotional ties to the characters. Mm -hmm. the dialogue gets stilted. Everything just stops. So the first thing I learned is I put this little man mantra in my head the whole time I'm doing it. And I keep saying, only forward, never back. And he, so I, when I sit down to write, I only look at the last paragraph and take off from there. I don't even worry about any anything. Just keep I don't go back. I never go back and look until I'm all done. I'm always amazed because it's actually so much better than I thought it would be because it has that emotional part in it that I don't know where it comes from. It's like you're in the story. <laughs> so that's mm -hmm. the first thing I really learned in Nano and it cured me from writing from the, from the nonfiction writing, which was kind of plotting stuff. You know, you put this in, I had used to have cards and I'd have to put these, you know, put them in order. And then I would write headings and, you know, how, you know, like a textbook, you know, how textbooks read, they're not exactly exciting reading. <laughs> so I wrote three textbooks. So, so it was, I should tell you the story of my first textbook. Okay. I was a, I was a teacher and I was teaching in college. I was teaching this course and I was using this textbook and the students hated it. And I swung it and they told me that. And I said, well, draw draw a picture of the of the author of this book because it was a book for it was about teaching children <laughs> so they drew this horrible picture of this guy you know and I thought yeah he does seem like a horrible man and he should be writing this book 
And then suddenly I get a phone call from the publisher of the textbook asking me, how do you like our textbook? And I said to him, I don't. And my students don't. They drew ugly pictures of the author. And he said, do you think you can write a better one? I thought, probably. <laughs> so I, I did. I, I wrote a chapter. I had no idea how you did this. So I wrote this chapter. I took it to Kinko's. Do you remember Kinko's? Oh, yeah. Yeah. So I took it to Kinko's and I had them put a cover on it and I had them bind it with a you know binder kind of thing. And I sent him this little book. I illustrated it with little illustrations, pasted them in and sent it to him. And he calls me up laughing. He says, nobody's ever sent me a little book before. <laughs> he just laughed and laughed. He said, I'll send it out and see what kind of feedback we get. And I guess he got good enough feedback because he gave me a contract. And he said, I'll give you 12 months to write this book, 12 chapters. It was 12 chapter book, textbook. And I said, I have no idea. I've never written that. I have no idea how you write a textbook. So I said, sure, why not? So I get to the end of 12 months. I only have nine chapters done. So I call him up and I said, I only have nine chapters done. I guess I'm, you know, this, this isn't going to work. And he laughed. He said, nobody writes a textbook in 12 months. I wanted to see you try. <laughs> so it took me longer. It took me two years to write the textbook. Yeah, I um, I can visualize exact everything that you're saying there with that. Um, you know, we were talking before the show. I'm in college. And so, yes, mm -hmm. I have been reading a lot of textbooks. <laughs> and some of them, one of the things I've really noticed is, some of the authors um, have a really good grasp of being able to tell an engaging story, even though you're talking about very dry topics. And some of the textbooks, it's just like, here, do you have insomnia? This will cure it for you. Yeah. And I think a lot of it, too, depends on the people's passion for their to the topic, because like a, a lot of the ones that I've been reading um, deal with some archaeological um digs and discoveries and that and yeah. it's just they read completely different from my psychology textbooks yeah yeah, yeah. so I, my book was, was very successful it's still it's, it's still in print went through six editions wow um, yeah so um textbooks i mean if you write a textbook you do it, it pays well <laughs> it does pay well and I don't think mine's dry because mine's more of a how-to. It's it's a teaching book. It has lots of examples. But the problem that you run into is they tell you you have to have these headings. It has to have this this question. I had to have multiple choice questions. I kept telling them this isn't a book you need multiple choice questions for. But I had to write multiple choice questions for the book. That kind of thing. So so in some ways it was very frustrating. And fiction is very freeing because the the, the far more openness and that in some ways that's a problem too because it's so open that you may not know what direction you want to go mm -hmm. so i do i do believe in outlining for fiction but nothing major i don't do a big heavy outline i just kind of put the major plot points that i want to hit at certain points and i actually what i when i start writing for nano i go through i put my chapter numbers in I put where those plot points are supposed to come percentage wise, and then I just write. So, so there's a kind of guideline, but I can, I can move around. <laughs> and it's nice. Oh. It's nice to have that. 
It is nice. And romance. I used to write romance. Um, I don't write it much anymore. Um, but when, I, you know, romance is nice because it has established beats. It doesn't matter. You know, I used to write paranormal romance and you write, you know, thrillers. I wrote a couple romantic suspenses. I was very weak though on the mystery suspense part. I, that's something I want to work on, but with romance, there's still there's established expectations readers are going into it and you know you know there's that moment when you're when your two leads meet and that you know that that tension and and then you know there's you know depending on which direction you're going into as far as how does the relation progress physically but romance is nice because it has those beats and then you can you can do that kind of outline and that percentage and where you want to get to and kind of match up with those beats in your head. And there's just, a, I just found a, a lovely rhythm to that. Is that something that you found too? Yes, that's definitely something I found, but I didn't know that in the beginning. So my first series, I, I they're, they're not quite typical romances. I, I call them romantic thrillers because they don't really fit. As I said, I didn't have people dying. I mean, you're supposed to have, I mean, I did once I learned that you had to have a dead body somewhere in it. Um, <clears throat> I did that in the next books but I didn't I really didn't know I didn't know the genre I had read it but I hadn't it's what I'm a I when I read a book I get into the book it because I'm I just you know become part of the book I don't think about the writing um so I hadn't analyzed how they were so so that was something that I found I don't know if you know the book Romancing the Beat by Gwen Hayes mm -hmm. that's an excellent book if you're looking for you know what's what's expected in a in a romance I found that very helpful yeah that came out well into my career but even a, a seasoned author I found that very very interesting and very, very intriguing to think about as well yeah so let's talk a little bit about your book um concealed by the tide I okay. you know was looking at it and you know Read, reading through the blurb and and everything as I was of course putting it on the website and the first thing that jumped out at me was that the these are unique characters with unique jobs and it just immediately hooked me yeah I well I as I said I do I try to get write about people that aren't normally written about and again I did bring my own personal experience to it um the heroine is an activist and she's going to try to stop the tidal turbines which everybody said, tells me they have no idea what that is but it's a propeller type thing they put on the bottom of the ocean that turns with the tide and produces electricity actually a lot of electricity and so she's going to stop this because she thinks it kills marine life so she's very very dedicated and to that and she has a backstory that I think came out of my own experience because when I retired one of the first things that happened is they wanted to put fracking in all around my I live on a farm and they wanted to put fracking all around my farm and so I, I thought this would ruin our waters which it's been shown to do so I joined uh, protests against fracking and spoke against fracking and I made her background to be one where her family had fought against fracking 
as well. So I brought my experience to that. And then nice. the, the hero is a marine biologist, but he's also a, a, a recently divorced man who has an autistic daughter that he's trying to figure out how to handle, how to take care of. And I worked with many, many children with autism. So I brought my experience to that as well. Good. Well, um, and it releases tomorrow, correct? Yes. Tomorrow is the release day. I'm really excited about that. Um, I love my cover because it has that kind of uh, wondering, but also a little bit of worry. You know, something's going to happen. It has that feeling to it. Mm -hmm. um, so I, I was happy with that. And there was something else I was going to say about it. Oh, never mind. And this was your so nano book. Oh, I'm sorry. Go ahead. So, so that, that that book will be part of a series. It's set in Nova Scotia. I have a cottage in Nova Scotia, and we've been going there for. Well, my husband's going there almost his whole life, but I've been going there. Well, in 2012, we bought a cottage when I retired in Nova Scotia. So we've been going there. We have many friends, and I, there aren't many books set in Nova Scotia. So I thought this would be a, a an interesting place that would also introduce people to a new environment. And the title, the tides in that area are the highest in the world. They they go they go like sixty five feet. Oh, it's quite wow. a, quite amazing. Yeah, um, you know, so so people can actually get caught by the tides. That's that kind of place, you know, against cliffs and stuff. So. So I, I use that in the in the book, and each of the other books will also be set in the same. It's an imaginary kind of composite Nova Scotia town called I called it Tide Harbor. It's a small town, so it has a small town vibe. Everybody knows everybody, and the same characters will be appearing in each book. Not this, not necessarily the same heroine and hero, but the town is the same, and the, and the environment is the same. So the next book, which is will be coming out shortly after this, is a set with fish ponds. It's about a fish salmon farming. It's about raising salmon in the pens. And it's about um, the pollution that that causes. Interesting. So will all the books in the um, series have an ecological theme? Sort of. Um, the, the third book, which is the second book is almost done. It's, I'm just editing it. The third book is based on a true story about a semi a, a tractor trailer of lobsters that was stolen and i didn't know this but a tractor trailer of lobsters is worth a million dollars wow yeah i didn't know this. this is a true story that this truck was stolen so i've imagined my character being the one who was supposed to be watching the trucks and the truck is stolen out from under his nose and everybody's making fun of him. They say he can't count and so on. So he decides he's going to go off and find this missing truck. Interesting. So, yeah. So, so he teams up with the journalist and they have some very hairy adventures. Interesting. And, and, yeah. So that's the next one. And then the next one after that will be about raising sea cucumbers 
which is, I don't know if you know this, but it's very popular in Asia. So they have all these sea cucumber farms in Nova Scotia. And they have their issues too. I imagine so. Oh, yeah, I don't. I, I've i only been to the ocean once. So other than what I see on top. <laughs> Other than what I see on documentaries, I don't know a lot about it, but it sure sounds interesting. Yeah, well, it's, again, it's, books are a way to travel to places that you have never been or might never go. I mean, that all my life I've traveled in books. Because I, I didn't go very much until I'm, I married my husband and we were in the museum. He was a history major. And I said to him, you know, if you're a history major, you'll spend your life in a library. Why don't you become an anthropologist and maybe we'll go somewhere? Hmm. And so he did. <laughs> Great. Well, let's talk a little bit about this book's journey from nano to publication, because oh, yes. you, you said you'd written it in 2020. And then, of course, COVID happened and upended everything. Um and so talk a little bit about your process, because it sounds like there was a little bit of time there. Well, that's because I wrote several other books in between. I wrote a, I wrote a series of how-to books, because the nonfiction is easy. So I wrote a book called Fast Draft, which is based on what I learned on Nano. It's a really short little tiny book, and it has all the little things I learned. For example... I have the always forward, never back, but I also learned that affirmations are really important. Every morning before I sit down, when I sit down to write, I always say to myself, I, I will take my time and I can do the, the words today. You know, I, I, I did it yesterday. I can do it again today. So that little bit of affirmation is really important for keeping you motivated. That's internal motivation. Then you can get all your groups of people and you can be motivated. I, one of my groups right now adds up everybody's word totals and they try to reach the highest total they can. So, you know, so it's not individual. It's, it's like a team. And that's good, too. The other thing I have in here that I think is really important is I call it dream on it. And every night before I go to bed, I dream the next part of my story. I just think about it, imagine it in my head and go to sleep on that. And somehow it stays there until I'm ready to write in the next day. And then I don't have to think about it. It just kind of comes out. So I call that dream on it. So anyway, so this is a little tiny book. I wrote this book and then I wrote this book, which is how to revise it, which is a little bit thicker. And I just taught a course on this on savvy author because what you come out of from Nano is a really rough, sloppy draft. Yes. <laughs> so this is the book that tells you how to put it together into something that sounds like a finished novel manuscript so that by the time you're done you're ready to have it edited because revision is not the same as editing even though we use those two words as synonyms they're not revising is making sure um those plot points are in the right spot making sure that um the transitions and the hooks and all those things are working together to make the story work so those two, and then I wrote two more in the series, and these were published by uh, Fused Published, because in nonfiction, it's totally different than fiction. In nonfiction, you write a proposal and you send it to an editor, and they then tell you, yes, well, you know, I'll publish the, those books. So I hadn't even written the book, and I had a contract to write them. 
because I had that nonfiction background, so it probably helped. Anyway, so there's two more. There's one on doing research, which is um, also all about plagiarism, how not to get sued. You know, not how, don't put Disney in your book, for example, no. because Disney doesn't want that. <laughs> we had a poor farmer here who had a Snoopy on, painted on the roof of his barn. It was there forever. And Disney actually came to this little farm, this little farmer, and made him paint it over because mm -hmm. he had this Snoopy or whatever it was, some, some Disney character. Anyway, and then the, the last one is called Power Language. It's the one you would use last. It's all about how to make your prose really pop. So that's what I was doing in between <laughs> writing this book. So what was the process on this? Well, first you have to finish the rest of the book because 50,000 words is not really a novel. It should be 75, somewhere in there, 70, 75 for, for you know, a standard a romance anyway. I, I know fantasy and paranormal can be longer. Um, so, the, the, so you finish writing it and then you have to do the revision. And then you have to, I have it professionally edited, but even that's not perfect. So I also run it through Pro Writing Aid. Are you familiar with them? Yeah, I am not a fan. Um, I find that unless you know, which I'm sure you do, but unless you know the grammar rules to start with, Pro Writing Aid or Grammarly or even Microsoft Words Editor, they take everything in isolation. So they take each word in isolation or each sentence in isolation. And so I have actually, if I didn't know the grammar rules, um, I've actually had the Pro Writing Aid want to introduce errors. Oh, I was going to say that. Yeah. I, I use it as a back. I, I, I actually do it after the professional editor just because even professional editors can miss a period or they can miss yeah. a quotation mark i've had that happen um or run on words because what happens is when you do it with an editor they send you track changes and it comes back and sometimes you lose a space mm -hmm. and that, it finds that so that's why i do it after the professional editor <laughs> so so that's kind of, because then I know the professional writers already checked those other things that you were talking about. So that's, that's a little hint that I do. So, um, but ProWide, I was going to say, I haven't tried it yet, but they have a new one out that's supposed to be all AI help. I don't have a, any idea how that works. I, I'm not really into the AI stuff. <laughs> the suggestions usually are pretty bad, the ones I've tried. Um, you know, they've been giving out free trials of things definitely well we're coming to the end of the show i just want to remind our listeners and viewers that they can um, head out to our website musecharmer.com and sign up for our newsletter be alerted to new shows um, also they can watch all the replays on youtube at youtube.com slash um, at epona author solutions sorry i'm trying to keep the cat away from the <laughs> the, the camera here um but before we go, I just want to give you an opportunity to let our listeners and viewers know where they can find out more about you and your work. And of course, all those links are also in our show notes. Okay, well, mainly um, I have a, a very active website. It's called uh, ZaraWestRomance.com. Very easy. And I do author interviews. I do one author interview every month. And I, I do book reviews, not as much as I should, 
<laughs> I, I write book reviews on Goodreads and Amazon, but I don't always transfer them to my website. <laughs> but I do try to do book reviews. And um, it hooks up to my Zara West Journal, which is the writing craft site. So if you so if you want more about very sense, but I do very simple, short little directions on things that I you know I like I make a lot of charts and tables that you can fill in and help you think of things, and you'll find them there. So that's on my that's on the but the link is there. It's uh, Zara's Journal is what it's called. Great, great. Well, again, um, in case anybody's driving or not able to, to write those down, all of those are in the show notes. I'm just going to do a quick check here, make sure, um, see if we have any questions or anything. I am not seeing any out there. So I do want to really um, thank you for taking time to to talk to us about your books and your writing and your experience. It, I've really enjoyed having this time to, to talk with you. Um, and I hope all of our listeners and viewers check out your book. I admit I grabbed my copy as I was setting up the blog. I thought, well, this sounds like a good relief from reading all those textbooks. So I went ahead and, and picked up a copy myself. <laughs> and I, should, um, I should point out it's a clean romance too. Okay. Good. Okay. okay. Yeah. Um, nothing against the steamier stuff, but no, more against it either. My other books are steamier, but I don't know. I, I just this one just felt softer. Sometimes the characters dictate that for you. I think. Yes. Yes. Yep. Well, I just want to close out our show here, and again, thank you so much for being here, and thank everybody for listening to Write Talk Wednesday on the Muse Charmer Network. You've been listening to the Write Talk Wednesday podcast, taken from the live streams hosted on Twitch and YouTube every Wednesday at 6 p.m. Central. The music you're hearing is Light It Up from Purple Planet Music. Learn more at purple-planet.com. To subscribe to our show, to subscribe to this podcast at any of your favorite outlets, please visit musecharmer.com. You can subscribe to a feed of all shows or just the Right Talk Wednesday show. Either way, we appreciate your support. Don't forget to like and follow us on Twitch, YouTube, Facebook, and Instagram. And if you are so moved, we would love it if you would go to our Ko-fi and drop us a little donation. The links are in the footer at MuseCharmer.com. Thank you so much for listening, and we'll talk to you next time.